Welcome to Hear Me Out, My Story, Podcast. A podcast about being gay and of a certain age. Each week, we deliver the best stories of gay life after 50. Now here's your host, Dean Kroll. Hi everyone. Welcome to episode 3 of my podcast, Hear Me Out, My Story. This episode's going to be about single and dating at 50+. plus. Um, the first two episodes were pretty heavy with some family stuff, and I thought, um, I take a break and move over to something a little bit lighter, maybe a little bit funny. I hope you guys can laugh at some of this. Um, but I do have a couple of family things I have to get back to. So, um, we'll get back to those in other episodes. Now I do want to tell you that this episode will have some, uh, activities involved and, um, if you're squeamish at all, you probably want to click off now and go do something else. (laughs) But uh, this first dating story I want to tell you about um, was somebody that I met on Facebook. I think we had a mutual friend and um, we had a couple dates. We hung out, had dinner, that kind of thing. Um, And, you know, I didn't really feel like it was going anywhere. And so this one time he asked me if I would drive him to his friend's house. He was going to program the Bluetooth on her car. And I said, sure, I'll drive you. You know, where is it? And he, he said it was a little north. And I, it made me think that, you know, it was like maybe Cranberry or somewhere just north of the city. No, we get in the car. The friend lived in Elwood City. So if you know Western PA, you know how far away that is. And so we're in the car, you know, driving up the road and we pass this little, some little coffee, drive through coffee stand and we pass it. And he's like, I kind of think I'd like to, I'd like to get a coffee. Can you turn around? And I was like, fine. I'm already fuming about Elwood City. So turn the car around, go back to this little coffee drive through. It's closed. Great. So back on the road, we're heading towards Elwood City. And one of the things that sort of bothered me too about this trip was that he started to act very familiar with me. Uh, the way he the way he spoke to me in the car, the way he demanded I do certain things or drive or turn here or do that kind of thing. And um, I didn't like it. For, you know, I, I, like I said, I was upset to begin with, so maybe I was projecting. But um, anyway, um, we get to his friends house and you know he goes to program her car leaves me sitting in the house with her i don't know this woman i don't know anything about her um so i'm trying to make small talk and he's finished with the car and he says to her could he have some of i forget the guy's name can i have some of his ashes and she said yes because her husband was his best friend So she said, yes, you could have some of the ashes. And so, of course, they're trying to figure this out. And I found out something I didn't know that, um, because they opened the urn and the ashes were in, you know, a heavy plastic bag or or maybe double bagged or something. But it had two uh, zip ties on it that they, they zip tie and then they cut the ends off. So it's not easy for you to get into. So, you know, they had to cut the zip ties off. And I guess the only thing that she had that she was willing to give him was a Ziploc bag, 
so and she found and she found him a plastic spoon so i'm sitting there watching him dishing out some of these ashes with a plastic spoon into the ziploc bag which you know then he puts the spoon in the bag and ziplocks it up and everything so um we're in the car I, we pull out i'm a couple blocks away from her place and he goes oh we have to go back he forgot the ashes so i had to turn around <laughs> pick up the ashes and we're on our way again so um we get back to his house he uh, he invites me in i'm kind of fuming but i'm thinking you know maybe i should not be so harsh and try to relax a little bit and try to figure out or find the find you know the silver lining in the evening he wanted to go to the bedroom so of course we're in the bedroom this is where you know if you're squeamish click off um but he was lying on his back i'll just say that and i was not i was doing something and i'll say you know with my mouth and um so i put my hand down between his legs because I was going to, you know, do something. And my hand, my finger touched something that seemed strange to me. And I put a second finger in just to, <laughs> not in, but second finger touching this item just to make sure that I wasn't you know, misinterpreting things. It felt almost like a a dry olive pit. Well, horror of horrors, I figure out that it is, yes, in fact, a big dingleberry. So I was horrified, of course. And, um, you know, I, I'm like, okay, well, you know, you're finished, whatever, I gotta go. So I get home. And I'm getting out of the car and I go around to the passenger side to get my stuff out of the car off, off the seat. And in the pocket on my door, he left the Ziploc bag of his friend's ashes. I was like, crap, I got to see him again. So I didn't, I didn't message him or whatever. And he messaged me a day or two later saying that, hey, I left so-and-so's ashes in the door. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not touching them. So I had to drive around for a week with this with these ashes in my car, and we finally met at a parking lot of a, I don't know, department store or something. And I opened the door and I said, "Here they are. You get them. I'm not touching them." So, um, you know, we kind of left things there, and um, you know, I checked I checked for this episode. Um, he had asked me, texted me, or messaged me on Facebook to go for drinks or something a while ago. And I kind of ignored it. Well, I didn't kind of, I really did ignore it. And um, so I went on Facebook to look and yeah, he, he had removed me on Facebook after the, I guess after the, uh, the drink request. So, you know, that's where that ended. Um, and uh, that's the, that's the, that's that story. And I have another story to tell you later too. But, um, some of the things I also wanted to talk about in this episode are uh, red flags and green flags. And, uh, you know, I obviously knew about red flags. That's something that's 
you know, been around for a while. But this notion of green flags, uh, I've been reading about people, you know, on Facebook and Instagram talking about green flags. And they're treating green flags as um, things that they like, like preferences. Like I've seen guys posting green flags uh, about about hairy guys, about um, tall guys. And I'm like, those aren't, to me, aren't really green flags if it's the opposite of red flag. So um, I'm kind of curious what they, you know, what that might mean for you, listener, if you want to, you know, mention anything. I, I have a Facebook page you can post there. Um, but the other thing I wanted to know about, at what point... Do the red and the green flags balance or cancel each other out when you're looking at somebody? So you have this list of, of red flags. Like for, for me, example, like drinking and smoking would be a red flag. If you've posted a picture of you drinking and all your pictures of you drinking, to me, that's a red flag. If there's pictures of you smoking, to me, that's a red flag. Um, and... Um, so green flags, I don't, I don't really know, like, for me, what a green flag would be. I, you know, I thought about this for a while, you know, and I was thinking about things like, you know, he's kind to animals. Uh, you know, he brushes his teeth like, like you have good, good hygiene, good teeth. Teeth are, that is one of my deal breakers <laughs> we'll move on to deal breakers here in a minute but i you know i was kind of curious about that like when do, how do you weigh the red flags against the green flags and and at what point is there a balance and do they cancel each other out and so red flags are just these warning signs i think and then you get into the deal breakers which are sort of the no-goes and i guess maybe for me the drinking and smoking is also a deal breaker. Like I don't mind, you know, people who go out and have a drink, but I will be honest, since my ex is an alcoholic, I do pay attention to that a lot more. Um, one of the things that has been coming back a lot lately are nose rings. And um, while I don't particularly care for them, I don't, I don't find them gross. But I'm, I'm afraid that if I went on a date with somebody that had a nose ring in, I would just sit there the whole night fixating on that nose ring because I would want to, I would want to just reach over and, and take it out. <laughs> like, I just, I just want to remove it. Um, it would be so distracting for me. Um, but, the, the, but a deal breaker for me is jacked up teeth. Um, I don't know if they're just unhygienic. Is it meth? Um, do they not care about themselves? These are all sort of the things I, I think about when I see these jacked up teeth. Um, and I think that comes from a little bit from childhood too, because you remember the Rudolph uh, Christmas special when the little elf, who wanted to be a dentist, he takes out all the teeth of the, the snow monster. And that monster with no teeth scared the crap out of me. Cause it was like, like when your grandma or somebody took their dentures out horrific i don't know teeth are teeth are a thing for me um <laughs> so you'd be like oh this guy's weird so you got a little bit of insight into that now this last story 
I want to tell you about. This is kind of a long story, so I'm going to, I'm going to try and, and get it as best I can. Um, so I met this guy on eHarmony. I thought, I'll try eHarmony. You know, I paid, he paid. Must be serious, right? Well, he, um, he's a minister. And I thought, oh, good. You know, he's a minister. Um, I can trust that. That seems like a good sign. I'll go out with him. And so we went, met in October of, of one year. Um, we had dinner. We got along. And we, you know, we hung out. We did, um, we did a, some sort of autumn festival thing. And, you know, some regular type date things. You go out. And, um, but sometime in November, maybe mid-November, he started with the I love you and... The I want to be monogamous. I only I'm only want to date one person. Um, I want a long term relationship. I want someone there, and you know, seemingly saying all of the right things. And looking back on it, I think he was trying to convince himself. Um, but um, so we get around to Thanksgiving. It was just he and I. We had Thanksgiving dinner together because his. Um, his older daughter was with uh, her husband's family, and then his younger daughter was with his um, ex-wife. And then we went Christmas shopping, and then we had made plans that we were going to spend Christmas together. Well, lo and behold, he gets COVID, and he is in the ICU for two weeks over Christmas. And one of the other things I found a little strange, and I get it, you're in the ICU um, the hospital doesn't let you have visitors, et cetera, et cetera. But I did ask him if there was anything I could bring down. Is there anything you need? You know, can I just bring down some flowers or a card or something? And he kept putting me off. No, no, don't come down. Don't come down. And I think he got out of the hospital. He wouldn't let them. He would not let them put him on the ventilator. He didn't want to be unconscious. So it took a while for him to get out of the hospital. I think he got out of the hospital after the new year. And I went down one weekend to put away his, some of his Christmas stuff that he had left, you know, the decorations he had outside because he was on oxygen and he couldn't, he couldn't leave the house. So I went down, I was taking lights down and Christmas decorations and you know, being the good little helper that I am. And um, he had told me that he thought because he had a catheter in for so long at the hospital that it had done some damage um, because he had been he had been pissing the bed at night and not waking up. So he had to get, um, you know, bed pads and then he got diapers and he was wearing diapers. And um, because of this pissing in the bed... And so he was so sure that he had prostate cancer from all of this. Um, and I'm like, I don't think it's prostate cancer. You're, you know, you're, I don't think he was 55. I'm like, I don't think it's prostate cancer. Um, I think it's just from, you know, the catheter and everything. Just give it time to start working again. But um, he worked around until he got a, a urologist. Um, who would agree to do a needle biopsy on his prostate. 
And if you've not had a needle biopsy, um, I'll give you a brief uh, summary of how that goes. It's a big needle and they jam it into the tumor and inside the needle, there's like this little snippy pair of scissors or little snippy thing that, that comes out then and snips part of the tissue and cells and then it goes back in and that's what they, they check for cancer. And of course, with it being a big needle, there's gonna be blood. So that's that. I'm sorry I'm laughing because this is going to get really good. Um, and his family was busy. So I said to him, I said, if nobody can drive you to the hospital for your biopsy, I will drive you to the hospital and then take you home. It was just an inpatient, outpatient thing. Sorry, outpatient thing. Um, so, and he was told about the procedure. He was told that there would be bleeding and it would look like significant bleeding from his well so if you don't know how they do a needle biopsy on the prostate i should tell you this they go through the rectum and they go through the rectum and then they go through the intestinal wall with the needle and then into the prostate and of course then when the needle comes out there's going to be a lot of bleeding well it looks like a lot of bleeding because it's the intestine and everything and so all of this blood, even before we got, before I got him to his home, they had, you know, patted him up and everything, but he was wearing these gray sweatpants and I'm, I'm not trying to be gross, but the whole back of them, I mean, it looked like he had sat in a cherry pie. So, um, he bled, he bled for close to a week from that. And they said that was normal. Nothing wrong with that. So I thought, you know what? I'm kind of done with this. Um, by then, I just stopped communicating and I thought things would just go away and I kind of hoped they would go away. Um, but then he had texted me in March, said he was feeling better. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I'm glad. That's good. Yada, yada, yada. And then he tells me that um, he had tested positive for syphilis. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> when did you have time to get syphilis? And he then tells me that he had known since November. I was livid. Um, thankfully, I had gone for my own quarterly testing in February, and I, I had nothing. They found nothing, so I was very happy about that. What really bothered me about all this is that not only did he not respect me enough to tell me that he had syphilis, he didn't respect my health. And that's a huge thing. Um, how can you say that you care for somebody and not care about their health? He could have told me before he got COVID, but he didn't. And then, you know, with COVID and everything, it was all of that going on. Um, and he could have even told me when I took him to the hospital, um, but he didn't. And I said, um, I said it was interesting that all the bad stuff that had happened to him, I was explaining to him, you know, how I thought about this. And it was, you know, sort of all this bad stuff of getting COVID and then, you know, bleeding out his ass and, you know, and all this and that. And um, he had said that he had asked God for forgiveness and God forgave him for 
you know, in his mind, it was for the lying and the cheating part um, because he was the one that wanted the relationship. And I said, um, you know, that's good. I said, great. I'm, I'm glad that ha I'm glad you, you and God got that all worked out. Um, I said, but isn't it interesting that after that sort of incident, then you get, you get sick and you, you know, you piss the bed and then you bleed out your ass and everything. And he said, are you implying that I'm being punished with disease? And I said, uh, no, I said, I'm not implying that at all. Um, I said, God may not punish people with disease. I said, but with everything that you've gone through, I said, it sounds like he has some helpers. <laughs> and he, he did not like that. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought I was being clever. And so then sometime in August, um, he texted me some sort of something about the gym, which I ignored. And then the next day I got an angry text from him saying that he was just trying to be friends and just trying to be nice. And, you know, here I am ignoring him and he would just go ahead and block my number and remove me from Facebook. And I, I thought, well, you know, go right ahead because, um, I had already removed him from Facebook. So, um, I, I don't care what he found online, but, um, the thing I did learn about this guy, well, there's lots of lessons in there, but for me, um, the one thing I learned is that the person that I am going to spend time with, I need to be in their top two priorities. Um, obviously if they have family, children, you know, that comes first but I want to be in the top two with the, with this guy, the minister, um, his daughter was first. I get it. She, you know, she spent, she lived with him part-time. So there was the daughter. Second was himself, then his job, then his church, then the dog, then me. So I was like sixth, um, in this. So I, have the nerve to be surprised that it ended up this way. I think I, it's not a deserve. I had a, a therapist tell me that when I said I, I deserve to have love and to feel loved and to be loved, she said, it's not a deserve. She said, it's a right. You have a right to be loved. You have a right to love. And I said, I think I'm, I'm thinking that I have the same right to be someone's priority. Um, I want to know that I matter to someone. Um, I don't need all of, you know, I don't want it to be all attention all the time. I just want to know that this person cares enough about me and us that, that our relationship becomes a priority for them. I think that's all that I'm saying. But again, you're welcome to chime in, please. Uh, let me know what you think, and I think that's about all the time we have for this week, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.